This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, here we are. The World Government Summit, and this is from June. This is from June uh 2022 so just about six months ago ladies and gentlemen so let's get this started it's going to kick off with becky from cnn your excellency are you ready for a new world order are you ready for a new world order that's it folks they just straight up asked the question no messing around folks no messing around let's continue i think uh becky the, pro- the main problem is, uh, if you think of the technology, the technology is 21st century, 22nd uh, century technology. What is happening in AI, what is happening uh, everywhere really that will really transform and is transforming our lives and also transforming uh, international relations. But I think the, uh, the frame of thinking is still 19th century. I think this is one of the problems that we have and the international system. Okay, it's still a 19th century. We're always told these guys are back in the 16th century, but he's saying we have a 19th century uh, school of thought, but 21st uh, century technology. Now, I always find it to be interesting when you listen to people talk, uh, and I've not watched a lot of this, this guy, for instance, but whether it's Elon Musk or Peter Thiel or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg, or any of these folks out there pushing artificial intelligence, technocracy, transhumanism, they always act like it's just happening as if they're not the guys that are actually running it and making it happen. So they'll sit there, oh, with artificial intelligence, uh, the world is uh, changing and uh, people have to change. Well, you're the guys building it. See, that's that's the part that's just hilarious. All right, let's continue. If you look, we are still... It's still about nationalism, it's still about state sovereignty, it's still about use of force or non-use of source of force. And I think this is one of the major, major issues as uh, we try to, uh, to bridge really what is mentally, uh, you know, governing international relations with the 19th century mode of thinking, but at the same time with technology fast, fast ahead of us on the curve. That I think will be a major problem. Okay, so you can see there, uh, this is um, Anwar speaking, big wig in the United Arab Emirates, right? And so what he's saying there is we have all these great technologies, but we have a 19th century school of thought. And so this is something we're going to have to fix if we want to move forward into a technological new world order. Let's continue. Very interesting perspective. Fred Kemp, your assessment. Um, uh, so, 
my mentor on issues of world order is Henry Kissinger, so I'll try to channel him and forgive me, Dr. Kissinger. Uh, Henry Kissinger, right? You guys know Henry Kissinger. In the 1970s, Henry Kissinger wrote a report, including uh, in part about depopulation or reducing uh, overpopulation. Henry Kissinger, he, um, another one of these guys, real weird, uh, comes out of the you know, uh, Jewish immigrants, but professes some real Nazi-sounding stuff. And so now this guy, Fred Kemp, who we just read his bio, he's from the Atlantic Council, long history with the Wall Street Journal, reported on everything since the birth of Christ. And so Fred Kemp now is saying that Henry Kissinger was basically his mentor on all things world order. Let's continue. But his answer would be, what do you mean no new world order? We have not had a world order yet. Hmm. What we've had is we've had a Western order that was imposed on the world. And so the first world order in modern times, or somewhat modern times, was four centuries ago with the, with the Treaty of Westphalia, ending a century of conflict, the Thirty Years' War. And it wasn't uh, a great moral thrust. It was just recognizing the world as it was. If you look at what we're trying to create right now, uh, where I would say at an inflection point in history, as important as the end of World War I, where we got the effort at world order tragically wrong. Uh, we ended up with millions of dead, the Holocaust in World War II. After World War II, we got more right than wrong with the creation of the International Liberal Order and the United Nations and the Bretton Woods uh, uh, system and the European Coal and Steel Community, NATO, etc. And then, See, see that? See what he just said? All right, so they got the world order wrong at the end of World War I. It leads us into World War II. And then we started to get things right after World War II by creating all these international bodies. The central banking system became more organized under Bretton Woods. So he's now talking about how uh, the world order uh, grew out of World War II. We've covered that here through our research and our opinion, but he's openly talking about it here. And th this is a high-ranking elitist, folks. All right, let's continue. Soviet Union fell, and then the Cold War, uh, we thought it was the end of history, and we thought that everyone could fit into the system that had been created, and it worked for a while, uh, but not everybody came into it. Uh, but China grew. China uh, certainly uh, took uh, full advantage of being part of the global system. Uh, Russia did not. Russia became more of an outlier. And I think where we are now, and this gets to your question, Becky, of a new world order, is uh, it can go in two directions with the war in Ukraine now being a decisive element. Either the jungle is back, as the historian Bob Kagan talks, and, and that we can go into a darker era. Um, or we could go into an era because of the advances of science, advances of technology, that could be one of the most prosperous, promising, progressive, enlightened, moderate, modern eras that we've ever faced. Okay, so he's explaining there uh, in those taglines he used technocracy. This is the selling point of the technocratic movement going all the way back to the uh, 1920s. All right, and this is this great progressive era. Progressivism, folks, the last progressive era brought us eugenics, forced sterilization of people, forced breeding, trying to weed out bloodlines, 
Oh, yeah, some really dangerous stuff. We covered that here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So he's uh, now going to say, oh, this technology, artificial intelligence, you know, add transhumanism in there. It's all in there. Uh, even Dubai and the United Arab Emirates are bragging about their ability to do uh, DNA splicing and genome editing and everything. That's all transhumanism. So he's saying this this new era upon us could bring great things. It could be a great progressive enlightened era with all the technology and the artificial intelligence. Or we could end up because of the Russia-Ukraine war, driving ourselves back into a dark age, uh, back into the jungle, which is a complete and total lie, because you have Putin out there calling for a central bank digital currency. You have Ukraine launching their test pilot for a central bank digital currency. All these countries are on board. They're all advancing with the smart city technology and CBDC at the same exact time. So to believe that they're actually enemies is just, uh, it's fraudulent. All right, let's continue. And I think we're in a moment where that's being decided. And I think the importance of the Ukraine issue is that it's a fulcrum for this. And how the world manages this and comes out of this is going to have far-reaching consequences that go beyond Ukraine. Thank you. Pippa, the U.S. president, and I steal a line from the Washington (coughs) Post here, their national uh, columnist who is um, a terrific uh, writer. The U.S. president has framed the tension of this moment as pitting democracy versus autocracy. That is a controversial position uh, coming as it does um, from the US president. Do you agree? And how does does that framing fit into our wider discussion today? Okay, so that's Becky from CNN and she's kicking it over to uh, Pippa. All right, let's continue. Well, I think the word framing is correct. Mm. Uh, I wrote a piece in late October saying we're already in World War III We are already in conflict that extends so far beyond Ukraine, actually, Mm -hmm. even within the context of Western Europe. But we've clearly been pretty much at war in space, uh, below the surface of the oceans, submarine warfare between superpowers. Uh, I wouldn't even say that this has been happening for at least four years, and it's spilled over into public view on the ground. Uh, But we don't frame it that way. Uh, Also, this idea that it's one kind of uh, political organization system versus another, but really it looks to me like old-fashioned superpower conflicts. Um, Where I'm very optimistic, and I agree with you about how to frame the future, what I see as someone involved in technology, someone involved with entrepreneurs and advising governments, I see a future where we genuinely have ubiquity and not scarcity. I see a future where the internet is available for free for everyone in the most remote locations on the planet. Okay, and then pause that for a second because we we let her go on there on, uh, you know, underwater battles and space battles and all this kind of stuff. I don't get into a lot of that because I I just truly don't believe there's actual conflict between countries that are all operating under the central bank system. I believe uh, these wars are designed for particular purposes. And so we can go down 100 rabbit holes with what she just said. I don't want to get into that right now. But now she's going to talk about 
from the perspective of technology right that we're going to have this system of abundance where everyone's going to have the free internet the internet they need you connected to whether through your smartphone or your iWatch or your brain chip or your hand chip, whatever it may be. They have to have you connected to it to be part of the full-blown technocratic physical world prison planet matrix system that they're actually building. And so they're going to sell you on the idea of this system of abundance versus scarcity, which was the selling point, if you remember all the shows that we covered, of technocracy growing out of the 1920s. The idea was that if you let the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists run the entire system, as if it's a giant machine we can put people to work very minimally like 10 to 20 hours a week helping run the machines and you're going to get all the goods that the government deems uh, necessary that you be allowed to have and this is the same exact system folks that was the blueprint so they're going to sell you on the system of abundance versus scarcity which the technocrats originally called the price system which was a fight against capitalism, free markets in its rawest form. They were against that. Now, the system we see today, I don't believe, is free market, and it's not capitalism in its rawest form. It's a crony corporatism that we're looking at. But they're going to sell you on this, that if you let us run everything, if you operate in CBDC, if you allow us to control the supply chains, if you allow us to control the natural resources through the climate change hustle, if you allow us, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, the bankers, to control everything, then we will make sure you're fed. And you know damn well that these folks, all right, whether it be Becky from CNN, Anwar from Dubai, Fred from Atlantic Council, uh, George uh, and Pippa, uh, George from Straffer and Pippa, who's advised uh, George W. Bush and her father was embedded into multiple uh, presidencies. Uh, they don't love you, folks. So when they're trying to sell you this, this is an illusion here. It's an illusion. They're selling you something beautiful. They're selling you a, t- a utopia, as socialists, as communists, as Marxists, as fascists have always done throughout history. They sell the idea of the utopia, and they're going to bring you into a system of complete and total hell. That's the idea, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go into uh, hell right now because when I'm not talking to you folks, I'm very depressed. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to it. I want to wrap this up today, if possible. This is the World Government Summit here. Are we ready for a new world order? Let's pick it back up with these folks. And that means the location of power is going to shift. And I see, as a person in financial markets, decentralization of power structures everywhere. In finance, in political power, 
Um, and in fact, this conflict that we're in right now may be the beginning of that shift. I certainly see many people from the industrialized world looking very actively to move to places that they used to consider emerging markets, mm -hmm. uh, to build businesses there, to expand there. So uh, I also think to finish. Okay, I just have to interject there because that's total nonsense. There is no decentralization of governmental powers or decentralization of financial systems. It is becoming more centralized. The whole idea of a new world order, a world government, it's called World Government Summit, that's the name of this, is about concentrating power, centralizing power, further centralizing power, monopolizing power. All right. When you bring in CBDCs that are run from the central banks out of the World Bank, out of the BIS, out of the IMF, that is anything but decentralized. It is more centralized when the transaction between you and me, when the middleman between that transaction is the central bank that's centralized okay not that our system today is is much better but this is concentration of power and so there are no government officials out there that are looking to decentralize power and to give you back power and this whole idea of a world government and no borders allows for the creation of a one world governmental system so if that is run out of Brussels or that is run from Mars overseeing the whole pl a planet, that is centralizing. If they were truly about decentralized power, they would start with the United States and they would get rid of Washington, D.C. They would just totally get rid of it and they would return all the power to the states. And if the states wanted to decentralize power, they would close down the state government and they would return all power to the counties and to the local governments. All right, so that's what you would do if you really wanted to decentralize everything. You would get rid of the giant governmental structures that oversee large populations of people across large swaths of land. That's what you would actually do if you were looking to decentralize power. I just had it back and forth with somebody on Twitter over at, um, at Hackable Animal, one of my accounts. And they were talking about uh, technology getting into the wrong hands. And, you know, uh, they were talking about deplatforming and saying nobody was talking about deplatforming six, seven years ago. And I said, well, no one was talking about deplatforming in 1994 because it was 1995 when the Internet was introduced into homes here in the United States. Before the Internet, there was no such thing as deplatforming. There was also no such thing as a lot of the other problems or any of the problems the Internet have brought us. And so they said, you can't get rid of the Internet. I said, listen, if you got rid of the Internet... Uh, a lot of things would be fixed. And this person said to me, well, you will never, whether it's online or offline, get everyone to agree on one world view. I said, no, if you got rid of the internet and our footprint shrank back down and we were focused on our local communities, our worldview would not matter because I would not be sitting here in the morning while I'm uh, sitting on the toilet going to the bathroom flipping through my Facebook feed and looking at a story about a man in Uganda who got stung by a killer bee and how his family needs money to uh, pay for his medicine 
That wouldn't matter to me. You know who would be worried about that? His neighbors in his village in Uganda. I would be focused on my life and my neighbors. So getting rid of the internet would actually decentralize everything because we'd go back to operating within our small communities. They created this system of centralized power and globalization, and they're continuing now to try to consolidate that power, that control. All right, let's continue. This idea that autocracies have an advantage over democracies, I will fight that tooth and nail. I don't think it is correct. And I think our, our view that just because, for example, China had a more autocratic approach made them more successful is unproven by time. And we are going to find the places that allow the entrepreneurial spirit to thrive the most and give the greatest political latitude are the ones that are going to grow the best. Now, now, what does she mean by entrepreneurial spirit? Because I flipped through her resume, folks, and the companies she's talking about are the technology companies, Silicon Valley companies, that are working with the government, with the state, operating under government grants, government contracts, government money, government partnerships. So entrepreneurship, she's full of it. She's talking about the extension of the state operating under the so-called private sector, the puppets, the Elon Musk, the Peter Thiels of the world. Let's continue. Thank you, Pippa. George, your assessment, briefly. I think human beings live their lives in a storm, and nations live their lives in a storm. And we are gifted with nostalgia. We remember times that never were and long for them. Okay, so now this is George here coming out of Stratford. Now, that opening statement, the more I've researched, uh, really since I started the Dust and Gold Standard, uh, but going back a few years, I would agree with that statement. We do remember times that never were. That was the whole idea of MAGA, make America great again. And I've asked Maria Albanese and others what that actually means. What time were we going back to? You know, what, what point in history was America so great, your lives so perfect? Uh, because we haven't lived under the so-called Constitution since the day the Constitution was signed. So what is this vision in our heads of uh, this time that never was? You know, mom and apple pie. And so that's why I'm focused on here at the Dust and Gold Standard, the hidden history of the United States and the world, showing you what's really happened, what's really going on, where we're really headed. Because so many people I know, especially conservatives, they walk around with this idea in their head that America was great yesterday and now today it's not. When in fact, they're unaware that we were chemically castrating, sterilizing people, locking them in cages in the late 1800s, early 1900s. They're unaware that the Federal Reserve System, the way we elect our senators, all came into place in 1913, totally changing the way our country works. So they have this idea that if we just went back five years ago, everything would be fine. Or when Donald Trump was in, America was great. Why? Because gas prices were a little bit lower? Because your 401k was a little bit higher? That made America great and perfect. Everything was fantastic. The technocrats weren't working on what they're doing. The setup to COVID land, the high school theater production wasn't in the works under Trump. You know, that's what I'm saying, folks. This is why part of why I do the show and why I'm building this library of content for my son, Willie, is because I'm going to raise him to understand the system we actually live in, the world we actually live in, not this fictitious land of unicorns and cotton candy that many people think we once lived in. All right, let's continue. So we are now in a normal condition of humans. We love those we love. We hate those we hate. We fight. We make up. 
And human beings are this thing. But it is the most interesting thing that we remember things that we never ever were. We remember a time where this tension of love and hate didn't exist. We remember a time that if we could only get back to, all would be well. And sometimes we imagine that if I have uh, the internet, that will take me home. But there is no going home, we are at home. And we have to be at peace with where we are. And there is no time that has ever been at peace with the chaos that it was surrounded by. And that's the tragedy of the human condition. And it's greatness. All right, so I will not argue with that, uh, of that opening statement right now. We'll see what else George, the founder of Stratford, has to say. But, um, I, and I don't agree, I will say I do not agree with we have to be at peace with where we are today. But where he says is what we're living in today is what we're living in. I do agree with that. But, but my philosophy is that if you want to change it, even down to your personal life, for yourself and for your family. If you want to change the situation you're in, you can do that, but you first have to understand what you're actually living in, what you're living under, how we got here, what's actually happening right now, what the plans are for the future, and then you can start to make these realistic changes in your life based on goals you come up with and solutions to get from where you are to those goals. And so I do agree with him when he says we are here and we have this vision in our head that if we can only go back to yesterday, everything would be perfect. And that's not true. All right, let's continue, folks. Right. Thank you. Um, your positions are quite clear. Dr. Anwar Gargash, then, let's just start with you. If, if we are looking at a new world order, a new world order that, that is, as Pippa describes it, decentralized. If we are looking at a new world that is not a, a sing, single power based, as it were, and a world that is layered by these, what feel like very new global issues of climate change, of cybersecurity, as you suggest, of technology and the speed of that. What does that mean for this region? Because the perspective that we discuss world order through, as Fred has rightly pointed out, has been a Western perspective. My sense is that we must stop doing that. So what, what is the impact well, on I this think, region? I think to start with, uh, Becky, the region has to catch up. Mm. I mean, the region is really uh, behind various other regions uh, in, uh, in the world. And I think it's by uh, prioritizing its own uh, politics and prioritizing its own polarizing wars and, and confrontations. The region really, I think, number one, uh, as the world is becoming multipolar, and I believe it is, and I agree also with the idea that this multipolarity is moving from economic to uh, from political to economic to what I would call even currency multipolarity as we move forward. I think the region is uh, really going through two phases. Number one is witnessing the, uh, the sort of uh, upper structure changing, but it has to catch up. And it has to catch up by emphasizing, in my opinion, uh, non-political issues. Some of them are global issues, the ones you mm. mentioned, and certainly COVID is a clear test of what we should be concentrating on food security and cyber, 
capability and uh, uh, climate change and others. But more fundamentally, I think the region lags behind in terms of uh, multi, uh, you know, multi uh, projects of, of integration, economic mm -hmm. integration, etc. I mean, if you just look at the Okay, so e even here you have uh, Anwar up here, I and mean, bumper sticker slogan after bumper sticker slogan, you know, climate change, uh, technology, interoperability of finance, you know, so they're, th this is all the same stuff. So you have the leaders of the world, the elites, the ruling class getting together, and you can see they're all on the same page with moving forward all of these policy initiatives, utilizing the same taglines and utilizing the same grift industries like the climate change hustle. And then when they get into financial, they're talking economics, they're actually talking about central bank digital currency. That's what that means. And so he's sitting here talking about how the region they're in there, Dubai, that area has to kind of catch up to the rest of the world. But trust me, folks, this is all moving towards more centralization not decentralization it's a total complete flim flam operation ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold welcome to the new world order you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 